podcast pod tunes is a perfect way to fall asleep while listening to the best horror history and true crime stories this podcast is presented by bed temporaries bedtime stories that will keep you up at night this episode includes discussion about murder and sexual assault listener discretion is advised Puente was an American convicted serial killer. In the 1980s, Puente ran a boarding house in Sacramento, California, and murdered various elderly and mentally disabled boarders before cashing their social security checks. Her total count reached nine murders with six unconfirmed. Newspapers dubbed Puente as the Death House Landlady. Puente was born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9, 1929 in Redlands, California to Trudy May and Jesse James Gray. She had a traumatic upbringing. Her parents were both alcoholics and her father repeatedly threatened to commit suicide in front of his children. Her father died of tuberculosis in 1937. Her mother lost custody of her children in 1938 and died in a motorcycle accident by the end of the year. Puente and her siblings were subsequently sent to an orphanage where she was sexually abused. Gray's first marriage at the age of 16 in 1945 was to a soldier named Fred McFowl, who had just returned from the Pacific Theater of World War II. Gray had two daughters between 1946 and 1948. She sent one child to live with relatives in Sacramento and placed the other up for adoption. McFowl left her in late 1948 after she suffered a miscarriage. In the spring of 1948, Gray was arrested for purchasing women's accessories using forged checks in Riverside. She was charged and pled guilty to two counts of forgery, serving four months in jail and three years probation. Six months after her release, she left Riverside. In 1952, Gray married merchant seaman Axel Bren Johansson in San Francisco. She created a fake persona, calling herself Taya Singola Niarda, and claiming to be a Muslim of Egyptian and Israeli descent. They had a turbulent marriage. Gray would take advantage of Johansson's frequent trips to sea by inviting men to their home and gambling away his money. Gray was arrested in 1960 for owning and operating a brothel under the guise of a bookkeeping firm in Sacramento. She was found guilty and was sentenced to 90 days in the Sacramento County Jail. In 1961, Johansson and Gray briefly committed to DeWitt State Hospital after a binge of drinking, lying, criminal behavior, and suicide attempts. While there, doctors diagnosed her as a pathological liar with an unstable personality. Gray and Johansson divorced in 1966, although she would continue to use Johansson's name for some time following their separation. Gray assumed the identity of Sharon Johansson, hiding her delinquent behavior by portraying herself as a kind Christian woman. She established her reputation as a caregiver, providing young women with a sanctuary from poverty and abuse without charge. In 1968, Gray married Roberto Jose Puente. After 16 months, the couple separated, with Gray citing domestic abuse as the main cause. 
1967, she attempted to serve him with divorce petition, but Puente fled to Mexico. The divorce wouldn't be finalized until 1973. The two would continue to have a turbulent relationship and Gray filed a restraining order against him in 1975. Gray would continue to use the surname Puente for more than 20 years. Following her divorce, Gray would focus on running a boarding house located at 21 First and F Street in Sacramento. She established herself as a genuine resource to the community to aid alcoholics, homeless people, and mentally ill by holding Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and assisting individuals to sign up to receive social security benefits. She changed her public image to that of a respectable older matron by putting on vintage clothing, wearing large granny glasses, and letting her hair turn gray. She also established herself as a respectable member in Sacramento's Hispanic community, funding charities, scholarships, and radio programs. She eventually met and married Pedro Angel Montalvo, though Montalvo abruptly left the relationship only a week after their marriage. In 1978, Gray was charged and convicted of illegally cashing 34 state and federal checks that belonged to her tenants. She was given five years probation and ordered to pay $4,000 in restitution. In April 1982, 53-year-old Ruth Monroe began living with Puente in her upstairs apartment but soon died from an overdose of codeine and acetaminophen. Puente told police that the woman was very depressed because her husband was terminally ill. They believed her and ruled the death as a suicide. A few weeks later, the police returned after Malcolm McKenzie, a 74-year-old pensioner, one of the four elderly people Puente was accused of drugging, accused Puente of drugging and stealing from him. On August 18, 1982, Puente was convicted of three theft charges and a sentence to five years in prison. There, she began corresponding with Everson Gilmuth, a 77-year-old retiree from Oregon. A pen pal friendship developed, and when Puente was released in 1985 after serving three years of her five-year sentence, he met her outside the prison, driving a red 1980 Ford pickup. Their relationship developed quickly, and the couple was soon making wedding plans. In 1985, Puente hired a man named Ismael Flores to install some wood paneling in her apartment. For his labor and $800, Puente gave him the red Ford pickup which she stated belonged to her boyfriend in Los Angeles, who no longer needed it. She asked Flores to build a six-foot box to store books and other items. She then asked Flores to transport the filled sealed box to a storage depot. Flores agreed and Puente assisted him. Puente told Flores to stop while they were on their way to Garden Highway in Sutter County and dump the box of quote-unquote junk on the riverbank at an unofficial household junk dumping site. On January 1st, 1986, a fisherman spotted the suspicious-looking coffin-like box near the river and called police. Investigators opened the box and found the badly decomposed and unidentifiable body of an elderly man inside. Puente continued to collect Gilmas pension and wrote letters to his family explaining the reason that he had not been able to contact them was because he was ill. She continued to maintain a boarding house, taking in 40 new tenants. Gilmas' body remained unidentified for three years. Puente continued to accept elderly boarders and was popular with lo local social workers because she accepted referrals of the quote-unquote tough cases including drug addicts and abusive tenants. 
She collected tenants' monthly mail before they saw it and paid them in stipends, pocketing the rest for expenses. During this period, parole agents visited Puente at least 15 times, though she had been ordered to keep away from the elderly and refrain from handling government checks. No violations were ever noted. Suspicion was first aroused when neighbors noticed the odd activities of a homeless alcoholic known as Chief, whom Puente stated she had quote-unquote adopted and hired as her handyman. Puente had Chief dig in the basement and cart soil and rubbish away in a wheelbarrow. At the time, the basement floor was covered with a concrete slab. Chief later dismantled a garage in the backyard and installed a fresh concrete slab there as well. Soon afterward, Chief disappeared. On November 11, 1988, police inquired after the disappearance of a tenant, Alvaro Montoya, a developmentally disabled man with schizophrenia, who had been reported missing by his social worker. After noticing disturbed soil on the property, they uncovered the body of tenant Leona Carpenter, 78. Seven bodies were eventually found buried on the property. Puente was charged with a total of nine murders. Puente's boyfriend, Everson Gilmuth, 77, and eight tenants who lived in the boarding house, Ruth Monroe, 61, Liana Carpenter, 78, Alvaro Gonzalez Montoya, 51, Dorothy Miller, 64, Benjamin Fink, 55, James Gallup, 62, Vera Faye Martin, 64, and Betty Palmer, 78. According to investigators, most of her victims had been drugged until they overdosed. Puente then wrapped them in bed sheets and plastic lining before dragging them to open pits in the backyard for burial. During the initial investigation, Puente was not immediately a suspect, and she was allowed to leave the property, ostensibly to buy a cup of coffee at a nearby hotel. Instead, after buying the coffee, she fled immediately to Los Angeles, where she befriended an elderly male pensioner who she had met in a bar. Unbeknownst to Puente, the pensioner recognized her as the woman he saw on the television news reports. The pensioner contacted local law enforcement, who then quickly arrested Puente. Her total count reached nine murders with six unconfirmed. Newspapers dubbed Puente as the death house landlady. Puente died in prison on March 27, 2011 from natural causes. She was 82 years old. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podtoon. Podtoons is updated on a weekly basis, so be sure to tune in next week.